Hello, and welcome to the Dreams of Soros podcast. Meditations and rituals on living an intuitive, creative life. Art is healing and a haven for the soul. In this podcast, I hope you get to rest and come home to yourself, your intuition, and your creative spirit. In here, we explore intuitive art, creativity, and grounded spirituality. With soothing music and sound medicine to help you access your inner being within. I'm your host, Megan, an intuitive painter, creative director, and mystic, working with art, creativity, and trauma-informed somatic modalities. So let's dive into today's episode. Sacred space holding is powerful work done with either one-on-one coaching or in sacred circle groups. The energy you hold and the impact you make in these spaces feel huge. And everyone else's energy in the circle is part of the co-creation of that healing space. I first connected with Sora through socials, eventually being part of each other's offerings with Sora being part of the Dreams of Source art courses and I being part of her beautiful sacred circles. Her energy is sovereign, authentic, effervescent and grounded and being part of her sacred circles was truly a transformative, deep experience. She's mystical but keeps it real and grounded and her wisdom and energy is a beautiful guiding light to other light leaders, space holders, priestesses, especially mystics who are committed to being trauma-informed and doing the work to unlearn through social justice. Sora Schilling is a sacred space holder, strategy alchemist, transformative business coach, powerful medicine woman, energy healer, international retreat leader, inspirational speaker, fire igniter, heart whisperer, and world traveler. Sora works with sovereign spiritual folks to incorporate the art of feeling sacred on their priestess path through earth-based practices. She leads highly intuitive individuals and groups through powerful experiences inside of devoted energy coaching school, leading luminous circles and retreats, VIP days, on retreats and from the stage. Sora blends real-world experience with mystical transformation, ritualistic practices, inner reflection, and innovative circle work to help luminaries create great impact within their communities. Welcome to the Dreams of Source podcast, Sora. Thanks, Megan. Megan, it was such a joy and delight. I could really feel the potency of your frequency inside of this container. Thank you for the time and the love that has created this opportunity and we look forward to sharing.
I thoroughly enjoy thinking about and feeling into what does it mean to hold space, especially since it is my primary way of serving others. I find that it is so nuanced and there are so many different ways in which I can explore even what space holding means for me. One of the things that I find when it comes to having a discussion with others around space holding, I often first and foremost go into this feeling around what does it mean for me to hold space for myself first? And how much of it am I doing it? Because that in itself will reflect back the depth of and my capacity to be able to hold for others. So what I mean by that is when I hold space for myself, am I pausing? Am I feeling? Am I aware of my thoughts? Do I find the areas within me where I am struggling or possibly not addressing attention and a discomfort that is creating this slight hum and dissonance in my body, in my mental state, in my spiritual state, and how much am I running away from it or numbing from it? And so I hold space for me to be an inquiry. And so therefore, when it comes to holding space for others, I find that what I'm doing is I'm creating a clear vessel for a person to have full permission to be who they are at that moment, think and feel honestly, speak truthfully and vulnerably, and access a deeper awareness of themselves that they cannot, will not, or have the capacity to do when we are trying our best and humaning. And so when that clear vessel is created, then there's also a space where one can be witnessed and felt and loved for them being their imperfect, yet perfect makeup of their humanness. And so that's what I would say for now when it comes to the definition or my thoughts around holding space. I believe sacred circles are healing and they are also luminous. And what I mean by that is when we enter into a space that is opened with intentionality and fed with prayers and there's an invitation to let go of what we conceptually think is happening or true and we allow the magic of the unknown to begin to reveal the depth of the information that actually desires to come through because we're in a collective space together in circle through even the formation of circle. I find that to be powerfully healing. Especially in our Western culture where we have been celebrated for our individuality and our ability to be independent and to be able to do things on our own and be, quote, successful and push through. And it's through our own uh, resilience do we get to the other side. And yet, the popularity and the 
eagerness for folks to enter into a circle to me reminds me that we have always in our indigenous ways have been in community where we have sat together with family of different generations and honoring the young as well as our elders all in one sitting. And so when we come into circle, there is a healing that happens based on our lineage, based on society's oppressive systems, based on our own wounds that we have accrued as we've grown because we get to be in the healing waters with others. And so the other reason why I find that healing, that circles are so healing is because until I feel like more recently, the focus and the stage presence of self-development and spiritual practices have been about individual healing, that you have to figure it out internally yourself. And granted, you have to go in yourself and you have self-agency and responsibility to actively understand and shift and change and transform. But truly, the only way that I find I know that I've understood the lesson is through my environment and its feedback. And by being with other people, noticing how I'm engaging that would be different and allowing myself to be vulnerable about the fact that all of us can be so awkward at times. And so how do we navigate that and not be just by ourselves? And so that's what creates the luminous quality in regarding illuminating each of us, the beauty that we are, the beauty of our awkwardness, the beauty of our pain and the beauty of our gifts all together create a connection to source, to the universe, to the primordial mother. And so what makes that space healing for others It means that we no longer feel alone. We no longer feel that we are the only ones on the fringe or that we have to get our stuff together and be perfect. And so I do hope that folks really enter into sacred spaces, feeling the internal healing for themselves, the healing that happens because they're in community, the communal healing that happens. And then this frequency and this vibration as we ascend into this luminous quality of being deeply held by the Great Mother. Every single person is a space holder. Every human who is engaged in a relationship with themselves, with others, with animals and plants and the earth are holding space because there is a moment in time where you are like listening and there's an active exchange that is occurring or there is an opening and an inclination of feeling the whispers or a nudge or a vibration or a chill that helps you to turn in a direction and move forward because you have heard a call or intuitively felt a nudge. And that means you are holding space because you are listening. And so when it comes to qualities or ingredients to make someone a healing luminous space holder, number one, I would say you already have all the ingredients and everyone's ingredients will be different. And to be one that feels even more immersed or confident or grounded in 
being a healing luminous space holder requires simply practice and inquiry and asking questions around oneself and learning to be out there in the world without completely knowing what you're doing. So some of the ingredients I find that I love cultivating within my students and my clients are a next level sense of awe and wonder, a curious nature, an ability to feel enchanted by the smallest little things, the willingness to watch how beautiful and intelligent the earth is, to trust their inner knowing, to be able to say yes to the things that feel like a soulful yes, while also honoring when there is a sacred no and creating great responsibilities and being able to practice what it feels like to have sacred conversations that might be challenging and disruptive and uncomfortable yet also deeply seated in respect and kindness and the commitment to be all in in relation with others as long as the timing feels true for however long that is to be. I also find that space holders who are willing to deepen in their spiritual practice and honor that it's not only about doing things and taking action but also what does it mean to sit or walk and pause in their spiritual self and what feels called to be of great service in that capacity, which may not look like outward expressions, but more actually internal, quiet, devotional acts that maybe no one will know is happening, but it will seed and feed the prayer field for stronger transformations that happen inside of a circle. So that's, those are the qualities or ingredients, I would say. And I would offer up that those who know that this is their work, I would say it's a calling. They will hear it and feel it. They will attend an event or a circle and feel a, an exorbitant amount of energy or a heart opening that occurs that gives them this indication that this is something that is part of their life and their journey and their way of serving. For some, it will be external signs that there will be multiple different environmental feedback that is provided, whether they're bumper stickers or uh, a sighting of a bird or multiple people talking about a particular thing like holding space that might help indicate that this is a calling for you. For others, there will be opportunities that begin to open up. And I would invite you to get clear around what a soulful yes feels like. And whenever an opportunity arises where you feel that, to never, never say no. To honor that you might have fear, but at the same time, that the Great Mother is providing you with these synchronistic moments and opportunities for yourself and your evolution as a luminary. And so remembering that also engaging with other folks and being in spaces with other people who hold 
groups and circles and divine experiences for others and recognizing their gifts and their medicine is also equally helpful to reflect back to you your own. And I would encourage folks to notice what are their ingredients, including the way of looking at food or spices and ingredients. Do they feel a bit warming? Do they feel spicy? Do they feel like they add a little flavor and pizzazz? Like what are the nuances of those ingredients of that particular person that you find as an exceptional space holder so that you have the language and the description to then bring it back into your internal space to see what about you? What makes you such an incredible space holder? Or what will make you say yes confidently to exploring this opportunity? Because ultimately your practice will help you continue to evolve as a luminous space holder. Aren't all spiritual awakenings so uncomfortable? I would find that feeling the call of holding circles is quite an awakening and therefore it jolts you into a new territory that you may not be prepared for. Meaning you might have experienced lots of different spiritual opportunities. But when you feel a call like this, it does jolt you into that space of humility and your own tender limitations from your ego around, can I do this? Will I cause harm? But there are other people who do this. Will there people that come? How do I even begin? What is my medicine? And so I would say that the initiation points are, number one, there is this lightning bolt of a jolt that rumbles in you with this deep desire for something and a change that is about to occur. The second is a immense fear around, I may have to double down in my awareness and my spiritual self-confidence to be able to say yes to this. The next step to me then is really feeling all the feels and the doubts that happen and recognizing there is this space between I should know how to do this and get through this because I'm a coach and a healer and I know my spiritual practices while at the same time humaning and recognizing that you are deeply in a space of of discomfort and feeling like the need to go into your cavernous space and hide, or you desire to go out there in the world and consume as much as you can for in preparation, or you say yes and you run and you bulldoze ahead without any thoughts or feelings because if you stopped you would then feel all the feels and you've got no time, quote, time to do that. And so you'd rather just try it out without any intentionality. So I, I kind of cover the different ways in which might do it because it's hard to talk about um, common portals of initiation when it comes to the patterns of a space holder as if they were one. I find that depending on the different archetypal energies of folks, where they are on their journey, where they are on specifically their healing cycle is what will indicate the patterns that will exist for them as they go through this. 
And so generalizing it is definitely a bit more challenging for me, but I do find there are those stages. And so there's a moment in time where rather than it coming from the mind around all the fears or the mind, because you are researching and investigating how you're going to get this done, there becomes an invitation at some point to go into your heart space and that everything will work itself out, including the hows and the whys and the whens, when you actually drop in and you create your intention and your prayer and your willingness to give great thanks to the space holders and the teachers that you have come across that have ignited this passion in you. And when doing so, then honoring the lineages, honoring what is yours, what is those of others, what are you valuing and standing for when you are holding space? These deep inquiries is what creates a better understanding around how to move forward. So once that stage happens, there's a greatness in regards to an internal healing that occurs that then becomes the through line for one's first sacred healing circle. And then that pattern will continue. You work on something yourself, understand the through line or the concept, and that becomes the cornerstone or the rooting system for the next circle that you hold. So I hope that supports in regarding noticing for each of you all who are feeling the uncomfortable calling, where you may exist in that cycle, honoring the cycles that you know for yourself, but also saying, I hear you, I feel you, I witness you, and you've got this. I would say the challenges and the doubts or the fears that exist um, are the same fears for any person who's ready to embark on a new journey, spread their wings and do something that they know is so important to them. And they are ready and willing to step across the threshold to do it. But they're taking that one moment with their one foot up ready to cross and thinking holy goodness how in the world am i actually ready because as soon as i put my foot down everything will change and so those fears include from an internal fear will i be casted aside will i cause harm will folks not like what i have to say or what i am doing will i have backlash for my spiritual ways of being and the gifts that I have as a priestess, healer, and space holder? Am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Will people walk away and reject me or leave me? So there are definitely those fears. When it comes to doubts, the doubts are more around, do I have enough preparation? Do I know how to begin? What am I going to do during the space? Doubts around having enough experience or enough lived experience or knowing enough people. So those are the doubts that would come in. And the challenges are typically what feels like tasks or things that have to, quote, get done in order for us to be able to hold space for others. And so that includes things like planning and logistics and inviting and so that feels stretchy because it's around visibility as well as understanding what are the small steps to take rather than feeling overwhelmed with the amount of work that might need to get done. 
So those are the things that I would say we would address um, when folks are starting any new endeavor. beauty of us, I find, being here on this earth as humans, is that there are always indications starting from when we were very young. There, to me, is never this moment where something occurs and I'm initiated into a what feels like a new path. And if I stopped and took a meta grand look, a bird's eye view of my life, be like, that's random. Oh my goodness, where did that even come from? But we often, when we are called to a path, that's what we think. We get so confused and surprised at the fact that this is landing on our pathway. When in reality, if we took a bird's eye view, we will see breadcrumbs that led to that moment for sure. And that was definitely the case with Sacred Circle. I did not grow up in a environment or in a family where we were deeply connected to the earth or the great mother. In Korean traditions, she is known as a primordial force called Mago. This was nothing, rituals, none of that was part of my awareness. But very much from an early age, when I was young, I would have teddy bears and all of these amazing, cute um, stuffed animals, especially from Korea. And they were always on in a circle and always I would always sit there and I would read to them. So naturally circle was a part of my existence, right? Now this this is not uncommon for many. And then in high school, I was invited by my English teacher to consider coming into what's known as the alternative program, known as A school. And I thought, I don't even know what this is. And so I went through the interview process and recognize that within a school of a traditional school, there was this magic school. And in this magic school, I got to figure out what I wanted to learn and how I wanted to express myself. And we sat literally in circle for all of our classes. We had a therapy session every Thursday. We went out and we served the community every week. And it was a way of acknowledging and and learning what it means to be in community where all voices are heard and matter. And so those things deeply seeded my pathway. Now, after that, I went into all sorts of other directions that had nothing to do with circle or serving the community. But again, the breadcrumbs will always return onto a path. And so... There was a moment in my 20s where I was at a job that I knew was going to end, that this was not my calling. And I've had many, many jobs. For those of you who know human design, I'm a 6'2". And so my three was real apparent because every year or two, I had a new job, a new place to live. I was just trying to figure things out and try new things. And so at that moment in time, I remember sitting in front of a mirror, meditating, and I opened my eyes and I heard this voice that was very, very loud say, circles, hold circles. I had no idea what that meant. I had never sat in a, quote, spiritual circle. 
and I did not know what I was supposed to do with it. But every time I sat, that's what I heard. Hold circle. So what I ended up doing was having a conversation with this voice. And I said, I don't really know what path you are asking me to take. And so I'm wondering if we can create a clearer lines of communication. And I will be open to whatever opportunities you lay in front of me that will help me understand what you mean by this. And so that's what happened. These opportunities arose. I ended up making a commitment and I said, because the voice was getting louder. And so I said, if you find a way to get me to Australia, I will host my first circle. Lo and behold, a couple months later, ticket in hand, I was on a flight to Australia going to hold my first circle. And so for myself, what I notice is number one, there's always an invitation. Number two, as long as I follow breadcrumbs, not knowing what direction it goes, that suits me best because as soon as I try to take control, things go very haywire and it takes a lot longer. I also notice that um, I could have questions and I can ask and I could ask for what I need to then continue to be of service for the great mother. And that the inner calling is a wild ride, that it's unexpected, filled with potential and beauty and grace, hardships, but yet at the same time, those hardships is what creates such a rewarding experience. So that would be a small portion of the journey that I took. And from that point, and since that point, I've been hosting circles, training folks on holding space, creating in-person virtual experiences, and it is one of the deepest joys of my life. I, I wish I can give you a step-by-step process in regards to how I got to where I am now in my comfort level of myself. And to be honest, I would say that a lot of it has to do with my age. I mean, prior to being in my 40s, I can tell you that it was particular spiritual practices or the teacher that was guiding me. And that's all very true. Every single person who's touched my heart, every single experience I've had, every time I put myself out there courageously, help shape and form and ignite a better understanding of who I am. But until I would say more recently, the feeling that I have returned home into myself in a way that feels effortless is not anything that I did, but rather that I am. And I don't know how else to describe that for other folks, unless you are possibly now in your mid forties or you're in your fifties and sixties and seventies, which I am now so excited to go into because I feel so much more, not only resource, I just feel more comfortable, more secure in my space and in myself and in the world that I had it before. And I find that the different stages in our lives are there purposely, right? So in my 30s, for sure in my early 30s, I had to learn how I was such a shapeshifter and how I was so uncomfortable with myself and had no idea who I was and therefore continued to try on what it meant to be someone else and learn to be okay with the fact that 
I was in many ways lying to myself? And how do I show up a little bit more tender, a little bit more open and enjoy life? Because that was such a fun time to be out there in the world and soak in everything. And then my mid to late 30s was around what does it mean to feel a bit more mature and responsible in my nature and be more honest about myself and be more honest with others and learn what it meant to open my heart a little further and also speak up all the different ways that I tantrum that I used to mask and used to try to hide. And so being in that more awkward stage, I felt like I was much more like a awkward teenager in my mid to late 30s than I did in my early 30s. Because my early 30s, I also had this space of thinking I knew it all, but I was never myself. So how could I know anything when I didn't know me? And so by the time 40s hit, I just find that every single year, I am a yes to all of this lessons and experiences that are so crunchy, but I've now had 40 years of living in crunchiness. So I've gotten, I've gotten accustomed to it and I welcome it now. And I think that's the difference. I feel like I welcome my pain and my insecurities and my, my spaces of holding myself back more so now because I see that it is a opportunity for myself to come and return even more to me and into my values and my beliefs and how I desire to show up for myself, for no one else but myself first, which then gives me more capacity for others. So because of that, when it comes to how I hold circles or retreats and basically the coded celestial structures of my blueprint There is nothing that is me feeling like I am excited to learn because I don't know. It just feels like I am the key that I keep unlocking into my favorite drawers and remembering these qualities, not because I had access to them in my lived experience up to this point, but because they are so a part of my nature and part of my existence here now and from before, past, before, before, eons ago, that I feel so much more comfortable in my skin. Ooh, I love this question. Well, for myself, now that um, I know myself better, <laughs> and I am a projector, by the way, in human design. So what I and I'm an introvert, highly an introvert. And so what I notice actually is that the guiding light of me entering into a space of teacher um, versus space holder had been when folks asked me for that. And to me, that feels, in general, a a place that we often don't allow for. We go very quickly in our Western society from being a student and learning around about the mysteries and engaging in these incredible experiences to then honoring that and then quickly after wanting to teach it, to be known for it, to be the expert behind it. And there is this 
for me, a remembering of what does it mean to apprentice with the mother? And that at first it'll be the offering of me exploring something and being in a a space where I am student. And then hearing the call to be out there and hold something that I have now been a student of. And then in that space, continuing to be of service to others, to fine tune my craft, to learn the nuance and the, the deeper layers of it so that I can find my own wisdom, my own transmissions, my own understanding, and the channeling of information that comes through from my bloodline and from the celestial beings, now that I'm immersed in that particular concept or a practice. And then from that space, a feeling of preparation happening. What can I do to prepare for me being asked to be the guide or teacher in that next evolutionary stage? So there's preparation that happens within myself and initiations that I know so that I can feel I can be strong enough to hold that. And then there's that invitation later where something calls me to then be the one who shares all of the information and wisdom and know-how that I have due to the fact of what, which is the very important thing, is that I continue to put myself out there and try. So throughout this entire process, I don't limit myself by being quiet or not trying things. I have to be out there offering and giving and learning and deconstructing or breaking things down only to find the edges that pierces a new understanding so that I can rebuild it into a new shape and form. And so all of that learning is what helps me be what I believe to be an incredible teacher, space holder, guide, and mentor. And so as that happens, the next stage is noticing when folks ask me if I could do that for them, be their teacher or a guide or a mentor. And then slowly through that process, learning and co-creating with those incredible folks who have invited me to do so. And then that opens up an invitation for other people to enter in. So I find for myself, it's a slow journey, a mindful one, a loving one. And every time I step into the old program that it needs to be faster and quicker um, and my success needs to grow in rapid spaces, I remember that that is not the way that I have been really taught from my ancestral roots that evolution happens. I find that if we consider conceptually the heart of business or the heart of financial prosperity, that there already is an existence of a space of desiring to be of great service. It's only when we layer on top of that our patriarchal way of thinking or the way in which capitalism has instilled certain value systems that lends itself for certain businesses or certain types of people to then prosper monetarily even more so, do we get caught in that mess? And then we feel like we're being split in two directions around being a business owner or having financial abundance versus being spiritual. And so what I find is that if I land in, okay, 
Business is simply a construct. What do I actually mean by that? Okay, so if a business to me is a energetic um, container for folks who feel called to enter so that they feel held and loved up on and celebrated and encouraged based on their medicine, then that feels true for me. And in that, there is a sacred exchange that happens both in time, in wisdom, in our ability to connect their own experiences and their gifts, but also because of the amount of effort and time and financial investment and my own personal spiritual journey that I have to offer as well, that we want to ensure that we're each being satiated and fulfilled. And so part of that exchange may be time and love and effort as well as money. Now, in any situation, in any communal situation, that is the case as well, right? When you're entering into a deep relationship with a friend, there is going to be a space of heart opening, of exchanges, of giving and receiving. In me and in my Korean tradition, that also includes, I will like pay for someone's dinner and then organically someone else will pay for my dinner. And there's this reciprocation even from a financial standpoint. And so that is what I find is what I anchor into as in that helps me understand what are my values and beliefs from my true system, not the system of those externally out there, though there are ways in which we are forced to abide by them, but from my own internal heart structure, what makes me feel really aligned? And is that me being able to be honest? Is that me being able to be loving? Is that me being able to be generous? Like what is it that feels true for me? And how can that run in all of my spaces? And so when I find that there is disharmony in, let's say, my business, often it is because there is a value system that is out of alignment, meaning I have walked away or I have stopped being in alignment with a value or a belief that I know to be true. So harmony to me means that there is a space of alignment and when there's disharmony or dissonance, it's a very easy way of us indicating there's something not in alignment. So let's come back to understanding what that is based on our values and beliefs, which is through our spiritual practice to help us serve even better, which is our business. And so when it comes to even finances then and financial abundance, there is an opportunity for based on everyone's values to consider what does financial prosperity mean? not from what other people say, but really based on you and your heart and the, your own inner blueprint and makeup. Oh, I don't know if I can even define devotion at this moment. Part of it is I'm, I'm so deep in gratitude in the feel that we're in in this conversation that it feels like I have to use my mind to explain my definition of devotion where devotion from a frequency or an energetic level is this incredible feeling I have and this vortex that I enter that has me commune with the Great Mother, 
which then allows me to commune with my community and other people from a really sovereign, sacred space. So as you hear this, I wonder if there's a way for you all to listen and feel my devotion rather than me explaining devotion. Oh, the creative process. And it is a process, one that is filled with unexpected moments, huh? And it's usually not very linear. I would offer up that probably for you as well. It's never very linear. So I'll share with you based on a story of my current creation and how it goes. And I hope that it helps all of you listeners give yourself permission to recognize that there is no straight line from inspiration to creation and then evolution of that creation. So currently I have been, uh, I had started to feel this inclination around a project. And what usually happens is at that point, there is a lot of information or feedback that comes into my awareness internally. And I, I don't know what it means or how to make sense of it. And so the old way would be to journal and write it all down and figure it out. But I don't do that. I actually voice it up and out to my team through Voxer. And then I walk with it. Literally, I go outside and walk with it. And then I do other things so that it's in my awareness. But since it's not ready to actually land in me, there's no reason for me to force it. So then it'll start coming through. And I find this incredible rush of energy and heat in my body that tells me that it's time for me because it's landing inside of my body. It's almost like it fills me up. And so as it fills me up, then all of a sudden I have a better inclination. And so I have basically a, a framework, a loose idea and a very deep understanding of the journey itself and how it will feel for others. And that's when I begin to create the invitation. And so that's what I did with this new offering called Devotional Lifebook. And so I created the invitation. I felt the energetics of it. I knew how I was going to feel being with people who purchased their Devotional Lifebook. But I had no idea what the actual book will look like or how I was going to construct it. But I invited folks into it. And then the first group of folks in any of my creations, I always co-create. I don't plan and I don't overly outline or make all the resources ahead of time. For me, in my state of priestessing, it must be a co-creation and receiving of information and the energy lines of those that are in, in, in this experience because it's immersive. So we had eight folks. I had these divine beings. And for a one month, I went through this initiation around what is this thing? And it was never logical. It was never linear. But there would be moments where I would be caught in inspiration. And I would then awake from it, realizing I was in front of my computer and I got all these things done with no idea as to how it even began or how long I've been sitting. And so that's when inspiration kind of sweeps me up. That doesn't happen all the time, but especially in the beginning stages of things, that's what occurs. 
And then I have to listen. And anytime I feel like I don't know what's happening next, I have to pause and walk away from it. And then inspiration will take hold. And a lot of the times by this point, there's outward signs or feedback. So I might be doing something for some other group, or I might be having a conversation with someone else, and they will say something that sparks um, an idea in me that I know is to be placed into my creation. So by this point, instead of internal inspiration, there's external inspiration that provides me with a better understanding. One point in my path of my creative journey, there will be some immense tension, external pressure, internal pressure of getting things done, and then very much an external something happens that prevents me from actually doing my creation. (laughs) So this time around, it was a move. This happens all the time. I get sick or someone needs something or it's something usually happens. And so I have to then reconcile the fact that there is humaning that needs to occur with me not working on my creative project, which in actuality is very supportive because that external humaning provides me with additional lessons and new things to help see the creative process. And so I work through following the breadcrumbs in all areas of my life because everything that happens will then reflect back on my creative journey and the input that I put into my creation. And then at some point, I will continue to resist, be inspired, take action, drop in, do the thing, resist, you know, continue to then watch other things or do other things that are procrastinating tools and then drop in and do the thing. And so it's just this natural process that feels a little bit like it's staccato and there is a breakbeat to it, but it works. And then at some point, there is this flush of energy that gets me across past the finish line where I can feel complete and celebratory. I understand the process and then I'm willing for that next creation to take shape and hold based on what I learned from this one. Have you ever had that feeling, this inclination that if something doesn't change, that some major things are going to happen in your life? I find that a lot of folks have had that experience, whether it's an indication that their health might be subject to, you know, some sort of discomfort or that their trajectory of where they're heading is going to feel even more disharmonious. There's something that occurs right before that stage that there's this big high alert. And that's what I was having. I was having high alerts, high alerts of anxiety, of feeling not clinically depressed, but lower in energy and emotions that I typically have. I was not sleeping very well. And I, for a while, was associating that with perimenopausal, which absolutely can be the case. But also, I understood that I was spiritually in distress. And so I reached out for some counsel and support around it and recognized that I was embarking on an initiation that I could either fight or I can embrace. And so the way I chose to embrace it was to take a month off. 
because for spiritual distress, <laughs> continuing on with life really um, can make the experience that much more stressful. And I absolutely understand that I had the privilege of being able to take some time. But what I found that was really fascinating was in my mind, I told myself that there was no way I could take a month, that I had responsibilities and that I had to show up for my community. And there's all these things that I could had to do. But what I learned from this is, and I, I hope that it is a, a little takeaway for folks is what I recognized as even now, even at that point in time, that I was not giving myself permission to take care of myself first. And that that was the most important thing. Because if I didn't take care of me, then how could I continue to serve? And so that part I find is the lesson that I have learned after my sabbatical, after 30 glorious days of doing what my joy led me to do and recognizing how much I was relying on busy work and technology and all of these things. Instead, finding the beauty and the gifts of being in nature and being with myself, it was such a delight that I recognized, okay, a lot of my stress is around me feeling like I don't have enough time or that I have to do more than I need to. And in actuality, that's really not the case. And so I am learning, still learning how to do less while making more impact by simply showing up and being me and being of service when the urge and the surge of inspiration and energy exists while also taking time to explore and enjoy my life quietly so that I have enough energy and a pure channel and vessel to show up externally when it feels true. Firstly, I would say the way that I work in this world, that I navigate this world can be very different than each and every one of you. And so I really want to honor that. I do want to share a little bit about my amazing team and how that came about because I find that when I share with other folks, they are really inspired by it. And they recognize that this is um, a very different way of holding space, even for calling in team members. And I find this is truly an aspect of circular leadership. So when it comes to my amazing team, Team Devoted, they are all folks who have entered my world and have participated as a community member. And at some point, they find themselves deeply devoted to the mission and the vision, and they desire to be a part of it in a more extensive way. And so they reach out to me and they ask if there is anything they can do to be of service. And then together we begin to co-create uh, what that looks like if I am in need of some support. Now, it's not traditional in regards to having a job description with particular things that you need to know how to do and all of that stuff. I find that I usually call in folks based on what it is that devoted needs as an energy being itself. And for those that don't have particular quote tools that would then be used inside of the business, 
we know that it's a people-led business and therefore we cultivate leadership and we begin to understand what is their medicine and how it can support the larger container. And so I do a lot of check-ins. We create a exploratory understanding around what they are here to offer. And then that continues to evolve as they evolve. And so I find that we call in exactly who it is that we need at the right divine time. And for those that are called to ask if they can be supportive, they might not be a full team member, but there's always ways because it's about the giving back and the receiving. So I hope that gives a little inspiration when it comes to, quote, hiring the right people. It's for me hiring the most aligned folks who are deeply committed to the vision of Devoted, which is more than just me. How do we make sure the spaces we hold as healers, as priestesses, and as light leaders are cleaner and not tainted by ego or unprocessed wounding? Good question. (laughs) So firstly, I would say it is around, for myself, I'll talk about myself, me ensuring and prioritizing that I'm receiving help when it comes to spiritual guidance and coaching myself, that I need to have a space where I can go to. And I've got a couple. So I have a mentor. I have a group outside of my devoted container. I have my team that I ask for support. I get energy coaching from one of my team members. And I have a council that meets every other week where we drop in into Sacred Circle. And we we change uh, our roles as to who holds the space. And so I am constantly in a space and being very honest about what it is that I'm personally walking with and going through so that that doesn't seep into the larger container. The other thing is that for me, I love holding intimate spaces. And in that intimate space, I get to share my own personal stories or things that I'm inquiring or the concepts that I'm currently chewing on. And so therefore, I'm basically allowing myself an opportunity to share and teach and model at the same time what it looks like to be aware of, address, acknowledge, and embrace whatever wounds are showing up for me to clear, which then in itself is actually an amazing way of not being in the wound as a victim and recreating scenarios so that it perpetuates and gets um, seeded into a container. So I allow my sacred witness to acknowledge and share while also whenever I'm in spaces, if I feel like my persecutor, rescuer, or victim is showing up slightly in me internally, then I address it by being aware of it so that it then clears itself for me to be really present for the folks that I have with me at that time. So I do believe processing wounds is important. Acknowledging where you are in the conflict triangle at any given moment is super helpful. And having support where you are not the space holder, but you are the person who's deeply in the space being held so that you can learn how to exercise that muscle of vulnerability is what creates a clear and clean uh, container.
I'm going to give you three different favorite ways for me to come back to my intuition or my inner being. So the first is altar craft and sitting in ceremony space for myself and with myself and my cosmic council. The second is taking a hike. So, so good for me. And then the third is being with other people and having incredible conversations, laughing and crying, sometimes all at the same time. All right, so let's see. Let's see if I could come up with three favorite practices that brings me back to my creative spirit. The first is going somewhere new. So whether I'm locally in a place and I just find a new area or a new coffee shop or a new exhibit for me to go to um, and going. Because to me, that process of looking for something, finding something, driving there or walking there and then experiencing it is very creative. The second, which I can't do all the time, but definitely highlights my creative spirit is traveling. Traveling is something that's very, very important and sacred to me. So that would definitely be another And the third is actually watching or reading magical TV shows, movies, books that ignite this space of wonder. I love fiction. I love pop culture and watching fantasy movies and sci-fi shows and all of those things. Oh, and paranormal romantic fiction, like love it. And so all those things help me come back to my creative spirit. I would say the part of nature that I find most healing is ha, is and has always been um, either hiking all the way up to a mountaintop um, and soaking in the entire landscape of everything that is below me. It's why I think I've trekked a lot of mountains actually in my lifetime. Um, and then the second is being in uh, on a trail sometimes you know in the mountains or whatnot where there's also a running river that with then and a waterfall those combinations creates this sense of magic and connection to the earth in a way that nothing else does for me I am so excited for the culmination and the graduation of our Devoted Energy Coaching School students and our Leading Luminous Circle retreat uh, participants and inviting new folks into both containers. It delights me to see my students grow and therefore then calling in these new amazing people. And so instead of leading luminous circles and retreats, we're calling in folks to help support them in diving into their signature method and rituals and honoring their way of holding space and facilitation. I'm so excited. And then the next cohort for Devoted Energy Coaching School and helping them evolve their coaching and healing practices. Um, So both of them are so, so exciting. And I'm so grateful that I get to do this. you, you can reach out and 
be in our spaces in so many ways. I would say the first way is to head on over to our virtual temple space, which is devotedway.com and just feel the transmissions. The second way is to follow us on Instagram. There are two handles. The first is at Devoted Way, and the second is at Sora Schilling. If you have any questions, please reach out to hello at devotedway.com. And it's a great way for us to then invite you into our incredible free community called the Devoted Way Collective as well. So you can come and be in our spaces And I look forward to meeting and greeting and giving you a virtual hug. Thank you so, so much, Sora, for your time, your energy, and for sharing your wisdom, your insights, your stories with us. You know, despite the fact that you're in your inward 30-day practice right now, you still took the time for this interview and for sharing your energy with us. I am so appreciative that you're here and I just want to say thank you for being here and for sharing so generously to us. Thanks, Megan. Megan, it was such a joy and delight. I could really feel the potency of your frequency inside of this container. Thank you for the time and the love that has created this opportunity and also for your patience as I land and open up to the space for you and your community. Also celebrating you and your growing family and the rest and pause that you will be taking as well. So blessings to you. I am here for you. Please let us know what else we can do and we look forward to sharing. If you enjoy this episode, subscribe or share it with someone who you feel could be supported by this episode too. And if it resonates and it feels right, it will be amazing to have your review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so that this episode and all of these other episodes can reach those who need it too. If you're looking to create a soothing, calming haven for your home, I invite you to dreamsasaurus.com where you'll find meditative paintings made with earth and plants and soothing art courses to come home to your inner being and creativity.